Hello, Knox friends. This is the sermon for Pentecost Sunday, the 31st of May. It's uh, good to be with you this day. Would you pray with me as we begin our time together? Oh God, Holy Spirit, we ask that your presence would surround us with the warmth and fire of your love and kindle in us love for one another and for you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This has been a hard week in our country. As of this week, more than 100,000 Americans have died of COVID-19. Also this week, we watched on video the brutal suffocation of a man named George Floyd and the resulting violence and protests that have erupted around our country. I must imagine many of you are at home asking the same question that I'm asking. What can we do? Where is God in this? What is God up to? Today, I'm going to do some thinking about that question. I pray it will be faithful. Take a deep breath and let it out. These are difficult times, but I believe that God is with us, especially in difficult times. The particular way I believe God is with us in difficult times is through what we call the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day each year when we hear the Bible's most well-known story about the Holy Spirit. When people are faced with deep suffering and grief, when they are feeling unhinged about an unknown future, when they want to know what God is up to, that, that God is near, that God cares, my hunch is that in those times, people are not looking for the teachings of Jesus or for intellectual musings about God. They are looking for the presence of the Holy Spirit. A sense that in the midst of sufferings and uncertainties, someone is watching and we will be guided. So let's spend some time in the story of Pentecost and see what we can learn today about the Holy Spirit. A little context for starters, and I have Duke preacher and teacher Will Willimon to, to thank for several of these insights on the text. In Jewish tradition, Pentecost, or Shavuot, was an agricultural festival. It was celebrated 50 days after Passover to welcome the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So today's scripture begins like this. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were gathered all in one place. And we know from that what time of year it is. It's been several year, weeks since Passover, the time of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Think about what that means. The disciples had been part of this movement with Jesus. They were in ministry with him for three years, and now he is no longer physically with him, with them. So they are reconvening their group several weeks later. They must be thinking about what's next. Who are they going to be now? 
This story about the early church bears some real similarity to what church is like for us these days. We were mostly accustomed to church happening in a certain way, at our building, in close proximity to our friends, with music and education and mission activities that added to our sense of meaning and purpose. All of that's changed. And what's more, we know that it's not going to look like it did before for a long time. Parts of it may need to change permanently. There is grief to be felt about that and anxiety about the change. And there's hope and excitement, maybe, about new things we might discover along the way. Any of these feelings and plenty of others may be what you are experiencing on any given day during this time of change. I imagine that's something of what it was like when the disciples were gathered on Pentecost long, long ago. They were thinking about how much had changed in their life together. Here's how the story went for them. The Holy Spirit shows up and moves among them, and they begin to prophesy, which is to say that they begin to talk about what the future has in store. The conversation is tough going, to say the least. What the story says specifically is this. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That scene probably sounds hard to imagine. It certainly is for me. But there are things going on in our own church community these days that got me thinking differently about this story this week, imagining it in our own context. See if you can imagine this with me. Imagine that a group of people in our church are talking today. They're together in one place, as the story says. Like the disciples long ago, they are together in one place, and since it is today, during the pandemic, this group of Knox members cannot be together in one place the way they used to be. So they're not at our building at Observatory in Michigan, they're on a Zoom call. Each person in the group is feeling those feelings I mentioned before. Grief, anxiety, hope, excitement. But they aren't feeling those feelings in the same way or at the same time. One person in the group is reminiscent about the way that we used to worship together. Another is angry that this staying at home has been going on for so long. Another person in the group is fearful and distracted. She's been coughing a bit today and keeps taking her temperature. Others in the group are feeling more hopeful. They've been enthusiastic about how creative and unexpected church has been lately. But even the hopeful people each want to talk about different things. One of them has ideas about how to involve more families and more musicians in online worship. Another one is excited that they've been meeting new and different people each week in the coffee hour breakout rooms. Another one is excited that we've been doing more in mission lately 
and knows it is time for us to dig deep there. Each of these people has their own agenda, and each agenda is important, but they're all talking past one another, and no one is listening. And then, to add insult to injury, the Zoom call starts to glitch, and they can't really understand each other at all. All of a sudden, something happens. Something great. None of them can quite explain it, and so of course I can't explain it to you either. But later they tell their friends it was like a warmth, a kindness, a good feeling that surrounded and inspired them. One at a time, they start being able to listen and to hear one another. And before they know it, they're having the most engaging conversation they can imagine about what church is really supposed to be. Their talk includes all the things that they had been feeling before. Caring for people in times of grief and stress. Worship that's engaging, surprising, and comforting. Deep commitments to serving the community around them in ways that really matter. They talk about church, and more than ever before, it sounds like what Jesus had in mind all along. I wasn't there on the day of Pentecost. I don't know what it was like when the Holy Spirit came among the disciples like tongues of fire. But a group of believers came to life that day. A group of people who had lost their familiar way of following Jesus shared their passion and their grief and their anxiety with one another, and in their wandering, they found a new way to be faithful. And I have to wonder if it was even a little bit like what I've been describing on that Zoom call. A tough conversation gets lost, and then because of the Holy Spirit, gets found. Let me continue with this illustration about that group on the Zoom call to talk about one of the other parts of the Pentecost story. Imagine that this amazing conversation happens, as I said that it did. A complete mess of a Zoom call somehow births a new faithful way of thinking about church. Now imagine this. None of the people who are on that Zoom call can come up with any other explanation, so they start telling their friends that the Holy Spirit must have been at work. They describe the fire in their bellies about the new things that God is doing in their lives, and they swear that that's the Holy Spirit too. Well, as you might imagine, people have some different reactions. Some will listen and believe to, uh, about that and get excited themselves, but other people are more skeptical. Suddenly, you could understand one another, they ask. One person suggests, don't you think that it was just that the internet con connectivity improved? Another one says, maybe you all just needed to check in and vent a little bit at the start of the call and then you were finally ready to listen. A third person, even more skeptical than the others, says, wasn't that one of those happy hour Zoom calls? Are you sure you were remembering all of this correctly, or might you have been on your third glass of wine? You see, these are the same kinds of skeptics 
who were there on the first Pentecost, in the first Pentecost story. The text itself says that when the Holy Spirit came among the disciples, they were amazed. And the story is also honest in saying that they were perplexed, they were confused, they weren't quite sure what to make of what had happened to them. And it says that the bystanders were skeptical. They made excuses and tried to explain away the presence of the Holy Spirit. The story says they sneered and said of the disciples, they are filled with new wine. In response, Peter comes out into the street and he preaches one of his first sermons. The essence of that sermon is to say to the skeptics, listen, what happened to us was not a hoax and we haven't had a drop to drink. We're not sure how to describe it, and maybe that's okay, but something important to us, something real happened in that room when we were talking. God is doing something new. What does any of this have to do with anything? What does any of this story about this Zoom call or about Pentecost long ago, what does it have to do with the world around us and the way that it's changing and the things that are broken? Here's a thought. For a number of months and even years, there are two messages that I have preached repeatedly at Knox. Both of these topics have sort of taken a hiatus since we left the church building in the middle of March. But today, and in light of this Pentecost story, I believe it's time to get back to those two messages. They are intimately connected to this Pentecost story and to this time of pandemic. One topic I've talked to you about is how the church is changing. Not just Knox, the, the church writ large. For decades now, our culture has been seeing steep declines in church membership. And while interest in spirituality is as strong as ever, there is much less interest in the institutional church. It is easy to ignore these trends because Knox is a healthy congregation. But make no mistake about it, one day the trends will catch up to us too. So the question raised by this Pentecost story is a really good one. And being forced out of our church building has put the question right in front of us. Just like the disciples were asking, we need to ask how church can look different from what we are used to. I've been really excited in these recent days because of the ways Knox members are embracing our different ways of being church during the pandemic. Rest assured, we are going to need to stay creative and excited because many members of our church family are not going to be able to come back and worship in close quarters for a good long while. Things are changing. How can our church keep being faithful? What is that going to look like? The other topic we've talked about a lot in the past year is racism. Back in March, which now feels like a lifetime ago, the session was just about to make some important announcements about plans for our church to study and act in response to racism. 
That conversation is more important than ever. I'm sure many of you know that COVID-19 is exploiting the racial disparities that already exist in our society. People of color who do many essential jobs, who are more likely to live in poverty, who often live and work in closer proximity to each other, and who are more likely to have substandard health care, these are the people who are suffering and dying in the greatest numbers. So where does all of that get us? If you've been at home, troubled by this week's news of racial strife and aware of our country having passed the grim milestone of 100,000 deaths, if you have been wondering what you can do, I have two commitments to make to you today, and I hope you will join me in them. These commitments aren't going to change the world, but they are things that we can do about things that matter. First, we can embrace this time as a chance to experiment with what it means for us to be church together in ways that are different than what we are used to. I hope you will join me in seeking to make this time as generative and connectional and life-giving as we can in the midst of these different days. I have a feeling that, chain, that, that that challenge is going to prepare us to be stronger in the future. Also, I commit to you that it is time for our congregation to get back to talking about our commitments to racial and economic justice. COVID-19 has delayed us long enough. We will not allow our closest friends and cherished neighbors to suffer if there are ways that we can make a difference. It is time to resume that conversation. I do not know exactly what lies ahead for either one of those commitments. There are unknowns and mysteries there. I will need your help in these conversations. We will find our way together. And I am convinced this is Holy Spirit work. We may have reason to be skeptical or anxious along the way, but I pray that out of this time of change, the Spirit is going to show up and show us the way. We are the church, and the Spirit is at work among us. A blessed Pentecost Sunday to you. Amen.